Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. 1 John chapter 4. We welcome those listening by way of the internet today. And if you've just downloaded the podcast, we welcome you on your podcast as well. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. It says this, dear friends, let us love one another. Boy, that's a challenge, isn't it? For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Wow. What an amazing thing. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they're in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Say that, I'm like Jesus. Amen. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. I don't know if you're fearful today. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. How many of you know that love is important? We're not here today to just gather together for a meeting and just pat each other on the back and say, how are you doing? But how many of you know that love is a vital component? In fact, do you know what? Today's message, however you think it might adapt to what you want to hear today, this is probably one of the best messages I should preach, is that actually love is the foundation of everything. In God. The Bible says that God is love. If you love God, that's who He is. He is love. And love is such an important thing for us to focus on. I don't know about, about you, but some of us in our lives, we search for love in lots of places. We look in different areas in our lives, we look for people 
to satisfy us. We look for uh, other partners to give us that love or to show us. And sometimes when we do that and we don't get it back, it hurts. It upsets us when we don't see the love come back that we've given. The title of my message today is this, Searching for Love. Searching for Love. You see, the truth is that everyone is really searching for something. Whether it's a person, whoever it is, you're searching. Always looking for something. I meet some people and I talk to them and I ask them on the streets particularly, I'll pray with them and I'll say, what is it, if I could ask you one thing from God, what would you ask for? It's amazing. Some people, they pause for a few minutes. Then they'll always, majority of the time, say, well, pray for Syria or pray for places in the world. But a lot of people, they, they, they don't think straight away. But actually, some people respond and say, I don't need anything. I've got everything I need. The truth is, it's a lie. Because every single person in our lives always, whether it's love with a person, is looking for satisfaction. Is looking for something that will fill some void. Every one of us is searching answers, information, companionship. We want something to fill that void. I was looking the other day, and many of you, if you use Google online, the search engine, it's one of the biggest search engines on a website uh, that you can use to find out things. Most people today, if you said, have you checked, most people respond and say, have you checked Google? They don't say, have you been on the website and used the search engine? They use Google because it is one of the fastest growing search engines. I used to work um, in, in a company where I would work on websites to make sure that people found, particularly Google, would find the website. It would discover our website. I was looking the other day at the statistics of Google for people, 7.3 billion people in the world today, of what people are doing to search for things on their devices. On average, it says this, in, in 2016, there were 2 trillion Google searches. 2 trillion. That's in 2016. On average, around 100 billion searches a month. On average, 2.3 million searches per second. People going on to their phones or their gadgets, typing in to search for something, to find an answer. I don't know if you ever noticed that when you start typing a question, it normally fills in the rest of the question for you. Do you know why? Because those questions it fills in are determined by what most people are asking. The reason it does that is it knows what typical people ask. There's some interesting things. I've seen some very interesting questions that it thinks I'm about to ask until I put the next word in. The truth is people are searching and they're looking. One of the things that I used to do and the key thing that people do to attract people to their website so that Google will find what people are searching for is what's called keywords. Keywords. You put the keywords in the, in the website and then Google will use its special, uh, what they call algorithms, mathematical uh, equations and, and things to look and find what keywords, what people are saying on their sites to deliver you the information. 
It uses these special algorithms to find your information. And it does that in the blink of an eye. In fact, sometimes it comes quicker than you know it. Back to your screen. You'd be so upset if you had to wait three seconds sometimes, wouldn't you? Less than three seconds, you see this presented back to you. Google is looking for keywords to find the information to answer you. People today are searching for lots of things. But everyone wants to be loved. Do you know something? You can search God and you can ask him and he'll tell you what he he loves. He loves you. You see, Jesus isn't just full of keywords, but he is the word. He is the word. He is the one who you need in your life. He's not just some description of some help, but he is the key word. The Bible says that he is the cornerstone. He is the keystone. He is the stone that you need to keep everything together. If you're here today and you say, well, I've heard about Jesus and I know he's good and I've heard all the things he did that he went around doing good and I've heard he heals and yeah, but I need this in my life and I've been looking for this and this is the main keystone for me. Listen to me. You need Jesus. He needs to be the cornerstone, the key word. He is the word. John chapter 1 verse 14 says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, the results from heaven's Google were sent to you when the word of God became flesh. 2,000 years ago, the result came from heaven when people longed for a savior. They longed for a Messiah. And the result came from heaven when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, he's presented himself. You have seen the result of the cry of the hearts of people. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus makes himself known. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7 to 8 says this, we should ask, seek, and knock. In other words, you can ask and he will tell you. He'll give you the result. Ask, it says, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. In other words, if you are questioning today saying, God, I've not really experienced this love that you have on offer. If you ask him, you seek and you knock, you will find the result will come faster than you know it. Maybe your life's search results have caused disappointment. Maybe you said, I've looked and I've found and I've been disappointed by people. I've looked at relationships and someone's failed me. Right now you're saying in your heart, well, people have failed me. I love someone. I gave them everything. Your life searches have caused disappointment. Listen to me. Jesus never disappoints. He will never disappoint you. His love is greater than any love that you will ever experience. So whatever you've experienced in your life, wherever someone has hurt you, Jesus will never hurt us. What is distinctive about God's love? I want to look at this today. What's distinctive about God's love and how can it change us 
And how should it change as we imitate his love? I believe that when we look at God's love, if it's foundational to our lives, then we need to imitate it too. God said that we need to love others. Number one today, there's four things I want to bring. Don't worry, I'm not going to be long. Four things. The first is this. God's love is foundational. God's love is foundational. He says this in 1 John 4 verse 7. Dear friend, says John, let us love one another for love comes from God. In other words, I, I don't know if you've, I talk to some people sometimes, they say I'm happy because I've got a good relationship, everything's going well. Everything's going really swimmingly well in my life. I don't need God. I've met these people. I don't need Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus, his love, it comes from God. It's displayed to us when he came and died for you and for me. But listen to me. He is the creator of love. How many of you want to get to know the one who created love? The one who is love? You see, some of us, we enjoy love, but we don't want to know the one who designed it. He comes from God. Love's not invented by people. Love is not invented by people. Some people say to me, God, if he, if he was loving, why does he allow all the things that happen in the world today? Why are so many things happening? People dying. Listen to me. God is love and he made the biggest statement when he sent his son to die on the cross. You can't make a bigger statement than that. He is love. He is the creator of love. He designed it. I know this morning I want to get to know the one who is the designer behind that. It's foundational. God's love, it's, it's crucial in your life. It's foundational. It should be the first thing. Some people come to me today and they say, sometimes there are many questions in, our, in, in the 21st century of, you know, is it right for homosexuality and war in churches? Listen to me. I want you to hear clearly. I've spoke to many people on the street. They ask me these questions all the time. I never shy away from it. Do you know why? Do you know what I say to them? I say, look, listen to me. Before you get involved or look at any other relationship, whether that's a man or a woman, whoever it is, make sure your relationship is right with God. You see, the Bible talks about the foundation of love, the foundation of relationship. If you don't get that right, then you'll not know anything. People say, well, what do you think? It's not about what I think. It's about what God thinks. And if you have the relationship with God, you'll have a different perspective on your life. Don't come asking me questions. I'm not God. I can't tell you what you can and can't do. But there is a God throughout the Bible who reveals his love. And he says his heart. He says what he wants. And listen to me. If you get to know him first and he becomes foundation in your life, then you will know what's right and wrong. Not because it's a set of rules, but because you love him so much. Some people, they want answers from you. No, I want to know what you want to say. Listen to me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Get your relationship right with him first. You'll know what's right, let me tell you. Do you know why? Because when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will not look at people first. You'll look at God first. You'll want what he wants first. Goodness me. Some people. 
It's not about you. You see, the question is when they ask you, can I do this? Can I do that? Do you know it's about self? It all comes back to what do I want? It's not about you. You are not the most important thing in the world. Do you know the most important thing is God? God of love. We're such a little minuscule in this universe. But yet we have so many questions. He's love. Colossians 1 verse 15. I want you to see this. It's so important. Because the one who is the result from heaven, Jesus Christ, this is what it says of him. The son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. In other words, Jesus, the son, was with God before creation. He is eternal. He is not just someone who came 2,000 years ago. Yes, the word became flesh then. But it says here that he was the firstborn over all creation. It says this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. I'm glad Jesus holds me together. Because sometimes I feel like I'm falling apart. Sometimes I do feel like I'm falling apart. But listen, when you understand that he is foundation, that you understand that he is the one we need in our lives primary, he keeps all things together. He is foundational. He is the cornerstone. Revelation 22.13 says that he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is an eternal God. He is the one. Listen to me. I don't know if you grasp this today. He is the alpha and the omega. He is and he knows everything. All things are through him. Everything. Alpha and the omega. He knows your tomorrows. He knows your past. He knows everything because time, he is not restricted by time. Did you know that? Some of us think that God is restricted by time. God is not restricted by time. He is outside time because he is the creator of time. Sometimes we make him so small. Listen, get in your head today and make your God big again. He is bigger. He's outside our time. He's outside what we know because he's greater. He is foundational. You know, when the guys outside were doing, it seems so long ago, they were working on the road and we were having a new road put in outside. One of the first things that they started doing, they set to do the project. And one of the first things that they did is they came in one day and I was here when they were working and they started digging on the road. And they did, they created what's called a borehole and they will use big drills to create and look at the foundations of what's under there already. Unfortunately, they found that they couldn't do the work in the schedule because there were Victorian water mains underneath this road. So straight away, all of things had to to change. The whole plan, it nearly took about a year in the end because they discovered when they looked that the foundations they looked down, that things were different to what they thought. Listen to me. Some of us today need to do a site survey on our life. 
Some of us today need to create boreholes in our life. Some of us don't want to do that. We've got to get the diggers out and look at what the foundation we're building on. And look really what's deep underneath. Because sometimes we come here and all we do is we stroke the surface. We look at the surface and oh, it looks nice. Tennyson Road looked quite nice till someone dug the surface and found there were old things below. And in your life, sometimes you're not willing to do a site survey of your life. Some people have got to get the diggers out today. Create a borehole. Look at your true foundations. Find out whether Jesus is the cornerstone, the keystone of your life. Well, on point one. Do you need to do a site survey of your life today? It's important that we know this foundation. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. He said this. Listen to this. By the grace God has given me, Paul said, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words... There is no greater foundation that you will find than the one in Jesus Christ. The cornerstone, the God of love, his foundation, the son that is revealed to us through God. Some of us today are questioning our lives. Why is my relationships not working? Why is it that things are not happening in my life the way I want them to? You know, I love God to some degree and I really love going to church. But sometimes my relationships with people and my loved ones are not working. Do you know what? People have problems. Don't ever hide from that. We're not all perfect. In fact, you, if you saw this afternoon what's going on behind some closed doors, you'd be shocked. Come on. Let's stop trying to hide and put masks on. The truth is this. We've got to be real. But, but God wants to reveal his love so much in your life that it changes you so that you can be like him. You see, if you're like Jesus in your home, not just when you walk in for two hours here on a Sunday... If we're like him in our homes, then it will change us. It will change our attitudes. It will change the way we deal with people. And some of us sometimes need to dig this hole. Look at who is our foundation. Check out the real love, what's going on. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 says this, a cord of three can't easily be broken. Did you know that? Some people don't involve God in their lives. They don't want the God of love. They don't want to listen to the scriptures that they read about being loving one another, being gracious and merciful to people. So they disregard these things. Do you know what? A cord then can easily be broken. If you have God in your relationship, if there are three strands in the cord, you will know strength. You will know strength when battles come in your family and your marriages. You will know strength. But some people remove the cord. (laughs) I'm not moving. Some people remove the cord. And what happens is this, Ecclesiastes 4.12, and we know Solomon, the man of wisdom, who asked God for wisdom. He was full of wisdom from the Spirit of God. What happens is we remove the cord. What happens? It's easily severed. And people want to know why. 
I'll tell you why. Go back to the word. Put that cord in the primary chief cornerstone foundation in your life and you'll find that it will bring strength. It will release strength into your marriage. It will release strength into your relationships. It will release strength into your life. Woo! Come on. Do you know what? Going to church is not the third strand. Attending services is not the third strand. It's him. Put him in your life. Apply the word of God in your relationships. You'll see that God's love will filter through into our lives. Hallelujah. Point two. God's love is not just foundational, but it's unconditional. It is unconditional. How many of us set conditions in our relationships? Oh, if you do this, then I will love you. Before... I've been with Emma now. I'm not. I can't remember how long. For many years, it's been a long time. It's been good. Eighteen years. Eighteen years. And I remember when it was coming up to a point where I thought I'm going to propose to her. If there's any guys in the house today who're thinking of proposing, you've got to do it well. You know. Come on, Jaron. You know it. You've got to do it well. You've got to make a good job of it, you know. There's got to be put, you've got to put some effort in. Women are looking for these kind of things. And I knew that, you see. I knew she loved me. Why not? But I knew I had to make an effort for the proposal, the big day. So, you know, I got myself ready. We, we went on a plane to go to a place that we'd been to many times before. Oh, yeah. And I hid the ring. In my case, I let it go through security. I thought, I hope they don't find it. And I got there, and this particular night, I thought, this is the night I'm going to make. The, the decision is tonight, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to take it to this place. And it was at the top of a mountain. And uh, then I didn't have much money, so I hired a moped. I didn't have a, enough money for a car, so I get a moped. And these helmets that we wore, they had little stars on the side. We looked like we were about to be shot out of a cannon. And so we... That night, she had no clue. Listen, she had no idea. I've not even spoke to her about marriage. I didn't even ask her dad. Now, that is one good thing I would do. It's a very British thing, I know here, but I didn't ask her dad. But I wish I had her done. But I just knew he probably said no. <laughs> and it was easy to do it out of the country, so he couldn't find me either. So I'm there, and I've got the ring ready, and, and I put it into my sock. It was hot, a hot country, so I, I had shorts on that night, and I put it into a sock to hide it. I never normally wear shorts with my shoes, but she was wondering why. And I hit this thing. I don't know how I did it, but I hit this, this ring, and, and I take her on the moped, and we drive to the right to the top of this place. This place was called Bella Vista. Beautiful view, it means. Bella Vista. And we'd been there before. We'd seen this view. It was an amazing view. You could see for miles the sea blue. I thought if I take her to this place, I know she's going to say yes. <laughs> Guys, you've just got to do this. You've got to take control of the situation. I thought if she's distracted by the beauty, she won't see me. She'll just say yes. And so we, we looked, and, and I didn't know how to start it, but I can't remember what I said, but I, I, ended up, I ended up saying, what would you do if I asked you to marry you? Because I was scared to ask her. And she said, oh, I don't know, really. It's true. I thought, wow, we're off to a good start now. We're looking out of this view, Bella Vista. 
Boy, did I put some plans. I planned that for months ahead. I put in the plans to go up and to propose. And yes, she said yes. Come on. Guys, it's all about the view. Remember, Bella Vista, never forget it. I'll tell you the location if anyone's interested. It works. But we went to this place. We went up. And then after, I had to drive back down on the... It was a bit of an anticlimax, you know. We've just, we've just accepted that we're going to get married. And now I'm riding on a moped, on a 50cc moped with two helmets, back down this mountain. Listen to me. It's important to see this because I put lots of plans. I put something in place. Do you know why? I expected and knew that if I did all these things, because I knew she loved me, that she would say yes. I did it all and spent the money and got the ring. I did it all because I knew she'd say yes. I had a 99.9% certainty she'd say yeah. Listen to me. I want you to see something. God's love is unconditional. You see, God had a plan set up in advance from the beginning of time to demonstrate his love for you. But listen to me very clearly. He did not ride up to the Bella Vista. He came from the beautiful view. And he stepped down and he came down the mountain. And he came into your sin and your circumstances. Your rubbish and your garbage. He did not find the Bella Vista. He left the beauty of heaven. The darling of heaven was crucified. And he stepped down to your dirt and your sin. Because even if you didn't love him, he loved you. First John 4.10, what we read earlier says this, this is love. In fact, it says this in the NLT, it says this is real love. We all want some of that. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God planned the greatest declaration, an example. He showed up and he did what he did and he stepped out of beauty for you. But do you know what? It says this in Romans 5.10. He says he did this. He did this for us while we were enemies. I don't know if you've considered that. Let that just sink in for a moment. But he planned. He planned the love demonstration. The biggest thing to draw people to the marriage. To him. To know him. And to experience him. To draw him to relationship with him. He planned the biggest declaration of love for you. He did it while you were his enemies. You see when I did it. And I went to the beautiful place. I did it because I knew she loved me. He did it. When he knew you didn't love him. Now you're saying, well, I wasn't alive. Listen, his sacrifice goes through the centuries until he returns. It is still the same today. When Jesus died for you, on the cross, he died for you as well. Whether you were the only person on this planet. His love comes to you. Romans 5.10, it says this. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Hallelujah. God's love for you, let me tell you, sister, brother, is the same. It never changes. So do you know what? I, I want to encourage you, by the way. 
I asked, and I said it last week, I love to encourage people in giftings and what they're doing. The worship today, I thought, was absolutely spot on to what I was going to preach. And I didn't tell the guys. I saw the guys send through their songs this week, and I said, wow, I cannot believe what I'm putting together again. The Lord is confirming that he's working together in the body of Christ. Amen? The songs this morning that God was trying to show, it just excites me. Because it shows that he wants to speak to us. It's not me just bringing a nice little message. The Spirit of God is here to tell you today that his love is unconditional. That whether you hate him sometimes and you've let him down and you think, I, I've been angry with God, he still loves you. It doesn't change. Hallelujah. In fact, he loves you as an enemy or a friend. It's whether you'll receive it. I just find that amazing. Isaiah 54 verse 10 says this. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. In other words, he's saying this, nothing, nothing will shake it Whether you love me sometimes or you get grumpy with me, nothing's going to remove that with your perception of me. Because I loved you as when you saw me and you were an enemy to me. Hallelujah. God's love never changes. It's unconditional. Do you know what? We need to be unconditional with people. We've got to start changing the way we are. We need to get the foundation of love to changes in our lives, in our homes. But we also need to be unconditional with people. Let's stop setting conditions on what love is and how we're going to give something back. Let's remember today as we leave here that the next time you've got an enemy, you've got to love them. The next time you've got an enemy, I know it's hard, you've got to love them. Do you know why? Because it will release you into freedom. It will release you. Another message completely. But it will release you into freedom. Number three, God's love is personal. 1 John 4 verse 12 says this, No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He says this, he has given us of his spirit. Some people want God without the Holy Spirit sometimes. The Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, it is important for us to recognize that it's God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit wants to make personal relationship to reveal the Father's love. I'm just going to stop for a moment just for you to think about that. Holy Spirit, come right now in this room. Breathe across your people. That they understand that your spirit releases and reveals your love. It doesn't need my voice to tell you that. Spirit of God, release your love from the Father right now. See, Jesus, he's not a hidden figure, but he's revealed in his spirit. 
He's revealed in his spirit. Jesus has not left you abandoned 2,000 years ago for you to do this on your own. He sent his Holy Spirit. I've got some good news for you today. That his love has shown that he died not only to pay for the sacrifice, not only to show unconditional love, but he died so that the gift could be given to us so that we could have a companion, the Holy Spirit, our senior partner with us until our days are finished. You have the opportunity to have a daily walk with God through his Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 15 to 17. Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. The New King James Version says another helper. To help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. He says this, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit wants to have personal relationship in our lives. Some of us sometimes reject the Holy Spirit. In fact, we can hurt and grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, if the foundations are not right in our lives and we get the quarter three wrong and we start removing God of our lives, we grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, he seals us with our salvation, but we can grieve him in our personal walk sometimes. He'll not leave you or forsake you, but I want to encourage you today that some people need to just let the Spirit of God just come back into their lives and influence them again. Let him have influence in your home life and what's going on at home. Some people we... We say, well, I can't see God, so I find it hard. I met someone once. I used to go on walks when I was working in my old job, and I used to go for walks at lunchtime. This person used to use dating agencies. I don't know if it's what everyone seems to be doing these days. I talk to people they say, oh, we're using dating agencies. And at the countless times this person would tell me that he'd put his profile up and then he'd meet a person and that their photograph was completely different to the one he met. I mean... You can't really get away with that that long, can you? Really? So the first date, you kind of, that's it. It's revealed. No one has ever seen God. Some, some of us are saying, now I want to see the Holy Spirit. You only ever see a manifestation of the Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit. I think it's John chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. He says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God is still invisible. But when he comes on the inside of you, he reveals who Jesus is. It's almost like you can't see the picture, but you know him. I mean, you can't explain that, can you? How do you explain that to your friend at work tomorrow? Receive Jesus and you know him. Have you seen him? No, but you know him. I know that I know. I know I'm saved. They're like, is he crazy? No, but you, you don't understand. Do you know why? It's because when the Spirit of God testifies and releases truth in your life, he becomes and he makes a home on the inside of you. You have God living on the inside of you, child. When you go into work, you remember that. When they're asking you the questions, whether you can't give the answers sometimes, just tell them, listen, when the Spirit of God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will make his home on the inside of you. If you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you receive him. He'll make his home on the inside of you. 
You don't need a picture. Wow. Some of us sometimes are saying, I want to know this, I want to know that. Listen, just receive him. Let him reveal his love to you and who he is. Hallelujah. We can't sometimes accept him, but he wants to bring that fresh revelation. I want to just show you before I move to my final point. Paul said this. He had a prayer for the Ephesian believers. He had a prayer, and this was his prayer. He says, I pray you may have power. Ephesians 3, 18 to 19. He says, I pray you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Now listen, power for what? Not to do miracles and to touch people and and signs and wonders. Listen to what he says. He says, I pray that you'll have power to grasp. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What a prayer, guys. What a prayer. That we can have. Did you know you can have the fullness of God? When God makes his home on the inside of you, do you think he sends just one part of him? No. He says, I want you to grasp the understanding of the love. And it comes through when his spirit comes on the inside of you. The fullness of God is manifest. And it comes on the inside of you. You will know beyond a shadow of a doubt. You will be able to grasp how much he loves you. Holy Spirit, come today. Do what I can't do. Breathe across your people. Show them that love. I pray today for those even now who think that the Holy Spirit, there's someone here right now thinks, I don't know if the Spirit of God's inside of me. Listen, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, he'll make his home on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Finally, number four, God's love is faithful. God's love is faithful. Do you know what? He has an eternal promise. I don't know about you, but we sing that song earlier, and I love that song. I said it last week. You are good. You're never going to let me down. We sing a song. We used to sing it years ago. I'm leaning on the everlasting one. Some of us today need to hear this. He is faithful to you. He is faithful and his promises are eternal. You see, the thing is this. Many of us are used to love relationships in our lives with people, marriages. And let me tell you, I got really excited when we were going to get married. And we got the house and we bought our first house. And building that life together. I've done the Bella Vista now. That's done. It's another thing. Now I'm getting the house. And I realize it's not always a Bella Vista, is it? Not when that mortgage requirement comes through. There ain't no Bella Vista then. I wish I was back up the Bella Vista. When the interest rates rise. Boy, oh boy. It's not always a Bella Vista. Listen to me. We get these relationships and then we, we didn't get a dog because I, I, I don't do dogs. We've got two children said, but not sure which is the easiest, the dog or children. <laughs> the hard work. 
It's not always a Bella Vista with the children. It's hard. Some of you know it now. You're saying, my life's tough with relationships. My marriage is tough. It's really hard. I understand. But God's love is faithful. See, when you recognize and know his love and how faithful he is, it will change the way you are with others. His love is faithful. See, one of the things that I found is this. We went through our marriage. We got everything. And then someone said to me, have you got a last will and testament? I mean, talk about anticlimax. Now I want a bit of the Bella Vista. Last will and testament. Who needs one of them? But what happens if this? What happens if that? There is a time. You know, you've got to remember that you're going to die one day. I'll like, oh, thank you very much. I mean, you, you go down some of these, you see them on the streets, the, the funeral parlors. Not many people are queuing there because no one wants to think about death. But listen to me, death is coming to every single person in this room. It's inevitable. Do you know that? Have you got that in your minds that there is one day and it could even be today, God forbid, that our life ends and breath is took from our lungs and we leave? Someone said, have you prepared your last one testament? Well, yes, I did do it then. And boy, oh boy, was it a job trying to work out what's going to happen after you've gone. You kind of think to yourself, do I really care? And I wrote this last will and testament because I knew that one day it's going to come. Hebrews 9.27 says this, it is appointed for men to die once and women You women don't get away with it. <laughs> to die once. Then it says this. I don't know if you've seen this. But after this, the judgment. Oh, no one likes that in church today. No, we want a nice little message that's going to make us feel good. Don't talk about judgment. Don't talk about eternal life without God. I don't want to hear that. Listen to me. We gotta get ready. Because there is judgment coming. I said it last week. The Bible says God is a righteous judge. He does not ignore sin. When there is sin in our lives and there's things to deal with, He will judge His people. It is appointed for you to die, but then it says after this comes judgment. It's not my words. Look, I'm not saying this. He says it, not me. And I've got to be ready just as much as you are. But listen to me. When there is judgment, it tells us there is something coming after life. The life as you know it, there is something going to follow after. Judgment is coming. But this is the love of God that we see in 1 John 4, 17. It says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. Did you hear that? Yes, we have to face a day when we will die. But it says this, that we're given confidence. Because his love is not only faithful, but it's eternal. Because he's the Alpha and the Omega. You see, if you're like Jesus, how many of you know that Jesus didn't stay dead very long? Three days later... Nothing will shake him. He arises from the dead. 
And so will you. You have a promise. Listen, if you receive him and know him and you receive his love, his spirit, he says, listen, children, I ain't going to leave you on judgment day. I'm going to show you that I've paid the price for your sin and you have eternity in me. Come on, let's rejoice. What he says, I'll give you confidence. Confidence on the day of judgment. In other words, I'm going to take you into eternity with confidence. Some of us today are saying, I ain't got no confidence. Listen, sometimes we have fear. We're saying, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm ready. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, you believe that he's the son of God, that he died for your sins. Listen, I've got something to tell you today. The Bible tells me to tell you that you're saved. That judgment is not going to come against you. But judgment will come to those who do not receive his son. Who do not acknowledge that he is the son of God. And listen, there are people out there today in different religions who know and know about Jesus. They accept that Jesus was a special person. I meet them all the time. They say, oh, he's amazing. Yes, we love him. But he's not the son of God. The Bible tells us clearly that if we don't receive him as the son, then we don't inherit the promise. If you hear this around today, listen to me. What it is, it's the antichrist spirit that is going to come and raise up in our generations in front of our eyes that says that Jesus is not the son. He was just a special man. It's a lie. The truth is that he is the son of the most high God. Hallelujah. And he is the one who is going to walk you into eternity. So don't dismiss him. Accept him for who he is. And you will walk with confidence. John chapter 4 verse 18. He says this. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear, it says, has to do with punishment. In other words, if you think you're going to be judged, you're going to be fearful. But he says, I want to walk you in, into eternal life, in my love, with peace in your heart, knowing that I am with you because I love you so much. That's something to rejoice about today. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. When I was in Sunday school, I used to sing a song. I sing it with the children. I say, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Love for one another. Power to overcome, overcome the enemy, overcome the enemy. I can still sing it. Do you know why I sing that to you? Because I've not forgot it. I sung that as a little kid. God is not giving me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Power to overcome. And it's true. I sing those words because they're true. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Listen, God's love's got no expiry date. I know it's like when you open the fridge and you see the eggs and they're out of date and you can't use them. There is no expiry date on his love. 
It goes into eternity. <sighs> Hallelujah. John 5, 24 says, Very truly I tell you, says Jesus, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Hallelujah. What a promise. Do you know the Holy Spirit is here today just to reveal his love? Holy Spirit is here now. Some of us have been let down by love, let down by people. I'm here to tell you today that no matter how you feel, his love is foundational, it's unconditional, it's personal. Oh, it's personal, yeah. And it's faithful. And it's also eternal. It will take you from death to life. It'll take you from death to life. I just want you to bow your heads right now. I want to read a scripture to you before we come to finish. It's a, it's a scripture that everyone has heard many times at many weddings. If you've attended weddings... 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8. And it speaks about what love is. I believe it's describing God's love, His real love. But I want to show you something, because we've said today, if God is love, then Jesus is love. I want to just show you something. I'm going to change, I'm going to paraphrase and change love for Jesus. And I'm going to tell you who Jesus is. So my paraphrase is this. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says this. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus doesn't boast. Jesus isn't proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus trusts. Jesus hopes. Jesus perseveres. And Jesus never fails. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.